Welcome to another edition of the Breaking Addictions podcast, where we're dissolving illusions and transcending limitations. I'm your host, as always, Ronnie Landis. I have an amazing guest with me today. Her name is Elise Bassine, and she is an incredible transformation coach, a healer, a breathwork facilitator and specialist, and also does a lot of work in trauma as well. And also does work in the Akashic Records, which I want to talk about because that's one of those niche topics that, you know, only comes up over here and there in a special conversation. So I'm definitely excited to get into that. Um, but we'll get into a lot of things here. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a really great conversation a few days ago uh, where you were so nice to have me on your show. And you know, we kind of went all over the place as I tend to do a lot of, a lot of little <laughs> rabbit holes. And um, yeah, this will probably be no different. Um, so I'm excited to learn more about you and your body of work. It's, it's obviously in a lot of ways a mirror to mine. I think a lot of us in the holistic healing field have landed on a lot of similar topics. No matter how we've started, for me, I started in the nutrition world. And then that led me into studying alternative uh, modalities for healing disease and regenerating the physical body. And along the way, it got into psychology and emotional health and then landing on trauma and really going deep into that world. And, you know, obviously the modalities of breath work and um, different optimization tools come into play. So I think that's just an interesting thing um, that I've noticed over the last five years, and especially the last couple of years, how so many of us have landed on the topic of trauma and even breath work as a really powerful modality for regulating the nervous system and even the nervous system itself, like, like even talking about the nervous system. Um, you know, I could go on and on, but I, you know, I just, I just find that a fascinating thing. It seems like the times that we're in are presenting us with very specific uh, access points for human transformation. And this topic of trauma seems to be at the forefront of it. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I, it's weird as you're kind of talking, I'm kind of reflecting on my own journey of how I kind of landed here. And I think I've always been, you know, on this path, starting out with dealing with my own trauma. Um, so I discovered breath work when I was 19 years old. And the reason why is because I started going on my own healing journey because I was struggling with an eating disorder and I was in college and I was just like, why is this happening to me? Like, why am I struggling so much and why am I so miserable? And I didn't really have any real answers for that because I had a seemingly good upbringing, you know, nothing too crazy happening, like good parents who cared about me and I had a good life, you know? Um, so I was just kind of looking for answers and I was always really intrigued at anything that lies underneath the surface. Like I'm a Scorpio. I'm always digging. <laughs> uh -huh. I could always tell that like the world that was presented to us was not really what they said it was. So I was always kind of looking for answers in that way. But then when I was 19, I was really kind of propelled to figure out what was really going on with me. And that's when I discovered breathwork. Um, and that just took me down a whole rabbit hole of understanding my own trauma mm -hmm. and um, my own kind of uh, patterns and dynamics and family stuff. And um, and breathwork just kind of took me on this whole path. You know, I I always was interested in psychedelics and like expanding mm. your mind and mm. all of that. And breathwork was kind of this way of doing that without the drugs. Like I remember mm. um, the first time I really started going down that path, I was like, Oh my God, this is like acid without the acid, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, I was just, and that just kind of propelled me forward, you know, and I was just always on that path ever since. But then uh, I also was a school counselor for 10 years and I spent 10 years working with traumatized children. So I think I've always kind of been looking at the world through this lens of trauma. Um, and then that kind of like perfectly culminated into, you know, the, the marriage of my experience with trauma and then my gifts to naturally help people through it. That's kind of brought me to the place where I'm at today. And it's really funny. I always say this when I created my first group program, which is called the metamorphosis, 
I thought that it was just going to be centered around giving people tools to help them do breath work. Mm -hmm. And then what I started to see as people were going through it is they were healing massive familial and ancestral trauma. And I was like, oh, I guess this is what I do for people, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was just Mm -hmm. kind of like this natural progression that now, you know, is what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can relate to so much of that. There's a number of different things I want to get into. First of all, what what is your perspective on trauma? Like what if you had a what what's your interpretation of trauma? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different layers to it. There's what I like to call the trauma of being human, mm. which is just being a human being on this planet and being exposed to everything that we're exposed to, which, um, you know, I always joke that everything's actually the opposite of what we're taught. So kind of being exposed to all these inversions of reality mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm you know, feeling one way and having an inherent knowing about yourself and the world and then being told that it's actually the opposite. I think that in itself is actually traumatic for people. Mm -hmm. And what it leads to is a sense of like low self-worth and shame because as young children, you know, we come in and we have these gifts and we have this inherent knowing of like a mission that we're meant to carry out on the planet. And then we're told constantly why all of that is not true or all of that is wrong or who we are is essentially wrong, which Mm -hmm. then like internalizes as a deep sense of like unworthiness. But what I really think is underneath that is shame and feeling Mm -hmm. unsafe. So, um, so that's kind of like my first kind of interpretation of it. And then um, a lot of what I work with people on is unraveling and healing their family relational patterns and dynamics. Cause I think those in, in itself are traumatic. Um, like what we watch, how we watch our parents relate to each other, to us and to the world um, creates these patterns that we play out unconsciously until we bring them into the conscious. So that in itself is another kind of lens that I look at when it comes to trauma is unraveling those dynamics because we will play them out with everybody in our lives until we, until we recognize them Mm -hmm. and heal them. So that's another huge piece of it. And then obviously there's like the bigger traumas that people go through if they like experience any kind of abuse or like bigger um, ongoing situations of like neglect or just being treated poorly, like emotional abuse and all of those things. So I think, um, you know, those are kind of the big three ways that I look at trauma when I'm working with people. That's a, that's an amazing framework, really well said and, uh, very helpful to navigate because trauma is not the same thing. It's, it's a spectrum, right? Yes. Just like, so just like what I found with every physical disorder, whether it's a digestive infection, it's a hormone imbalance, it's a cognitive impairment, it's some kind of immobility of the physical body and even inflammation. It, it's all unique to the individual and it's, it rides on a spectrum. And we're yes. always trying to avoid the extremes and find that kind of Goldilocks position in the middle where the polarities integrate and balance out. We call that homeostasis. Um, and we can get caught into the extremes very easily, especially in this world. I, I love the phrase that you used inversion because that's exactly the lens that I look out into this, this culture, this, this world that we live in. It is very much inverted. The truth is inverted. And so, and in that in itself, without going to a long thing is, is a really helpful awareness to have when we're navigating like our yes and our no truth versus falsehood and which is so much of the theme in our world right now that we're all kind of we're navigating and trying to decode and decipher and figure out what's right for us and who we are and all these kind of things so when we look at trauma it's so helpful to have like a framework um and to know like what i'm feeling what I'm feeling is valid and there's something else below that. And I guess that's kind of where I want to go with it now with you is like, you know, we have these sensations that arise in our body and our somatic system. And, um, a lot of it is, it can be trauma responses. So our stress response, our fight or flight or freeze response, um, you know, these different things that we, we, we get triggered in relationships in particular that arise, like you mentioned, if we have unresolved, um, 
things inside of us, they're going to attempt to be resolved consciously or the unconscious is going to try to become conscious in relation to another person. And we can easily just get caught up in these, these trauma bonds with people and get caught up in the spider web of that, you know, with our feelings and sensations, but not necessarily knowing what is the driving mechanism underneath it? What's really trying to be revealed? Um, I think that all makes sense to you. So I'd love to get your perspective on like, what's the, the, the next level deeper on that? Yeah. So, um, for me, when I'm working with anyone around like a trauma, right. Or, and not even a trauma, just like anything that's coming up for them, I'm always getting to what's underneath of what's happening in that situation. And the first place I'm going to go is your relationship with your parents. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't worked through and resolved that, and if you don't continue to work through and resolve that, you're not going to know how to navigate relationships. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I see it with every single person. Um, So that's where I'm going first. So literally everybody that I work with, we work through their birth story. So the circumstances around their birth from conception until like three months after they were born, what was going on, what was happening, what was your mother feeling? What were your parents' relationships, all of that stuff. So we're looking at that. And then we're looking at your relationships with each one of your parents. Um, so usually when something is going on for someone, right? Like if we're working through, I don't know if they're struggling with a relationship or they're struggling and moving forward in their business or whatever it is, um, I'm always going to bring it back to um, one of those things, whether it was like their birth or their relationships with their parents. So that's where I go immediately first. Um, Cause that stuff will always come up. Even if you've worked through it, I always say like, it's going to come up at every level. You just get used to working through it and you know what it is. So it's way easier to navigate. Um, Cause you can, you can recognize it and you can acknowledge it and you can um, like pinpoint it. So you're like, and it gives you levity. So you're like, okay, I know what this is. This isn't real. Cause if you don't know what it is and you can't pinpoint it, you think that it's real and you think that it's the situation. Mm -hmm. So you, then you spin out about the situation instead of actually looking at what's really going on for you. And I think that's a big like mistake that people make. So that's the first place I go. And then if there's something, sometimes there's deeper stuff involved, right? Like sometimes it could be ancestral and sometimes it could be past life trauma as well. But what I find that I see, and, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about the Akashic records, but the Akashic records is a tool that I will use a lot to kind of see how these things all converge. And, and what I see most of the time is that there's like this really perfect convergence between your past life trauma, your ancestral trauma and your familial trauma Mm. that all kind of come together Mm. in the same way. And it's the same energy. So like the past life trauma will inform the ancestral trauma, which informs what you're bringing into this lifetime, what you're going to create in this lifetime through your family circumstances and whatever circumstances are in your life. So it doesn't actually matter what we call it because it's just an energy dynamic that's Mm. lying underneath the surface for us to continue to move through, acknowledge and shift. So that's kind of how I look at it. And then the other key piece of this, along with the acknowledgement of it and along with just being able to clearly pinpoint what it is, is then you have to move through the emotions, right? Because the emotions are how we actually move the energy and shift it and change it and change it. And that's why people are blocked, right? Is Mm -hmm. because they have not moved through the stuck emotional energy that's lying underneath the surface based on these patterns and dynamics that um, are unresolved. So then once you are able to acknowledge that and then access and move through the emotions, then you can have a shift of energy where then you'll start to like move forward and you'll experience like a shift where, you know, you hit that net next income level or your relationship changes, or you're able to move forward in whatever way that you wanted mm-hmm. to, that you couldn't before. Okay. Again, incredibly well said and articulated and a number of things come up and it's going to definitely be a great segue when we do get into the Akashic record conversation. Um, to me, emotions are, are physical, right? Like for me and my kind of roadmap of, you know, my holistic, um, my holistic kind of roadmap that I've created, it starts with the body and ends with the body. So you have the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies 
these proverbial bodies, but then the really the thing that's real, like tactile and real and practical is the physical body and everything that we're experiencing is circulating and being experienced through our physical senses. And I think one of the biggest challenges in our world is we become so cybernetic. So like, um, like in the cyberzoic age versus the cardiozoic age, the age of the heart. And mm. we're so in our head. I mean, and obviously that's like a metaphor, right? We can't like literally be in our head, but the, but we're literally disconnected from our body because maybe we have too much trauma. Maybe there's too much pain in the body and our soul can't in fully um, inhabit the physical body. So it is, so it's like, there's a, there's a disconnection that happens and we get stuck in the mental sphere. And I find that a lot of people's, even people's like spiritual concepts are just more, just more mental concepts being spiritualized versus being physically embodied in a practical application. And I always, I always feel like that's just a really interesting avenue to, to, go into because to me like healing and health is all about integration and embodiment like are you fully embodied in your physical body and can you create the spaciousness within your physical instrument to be fully you right here right now yes a hundred percent and that's where i feel like the breath work comes in I was gonna, so yeah. mm -hmm. so first of all i just want to say this as kind of like a background to that and this kind of brings in you know my experience as a school counselor for all that time what I notice and what I would always come up against, you know, in my work, like as a mental health professional working in a school, mm -hmm. I would be like, what is the, like, there's something missing here, right? Like we're really missing the mark when it comes to education. And that's a whole nother conversation. But one of the things that I feel like the reason why people are so disconnected from your, their bodies, like we're, like you were saying is because we get zero support or training or help around how to deal with our emotions. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there's literally nowhere in school. And I know like now they have a little bit of emotional stuff in school, but it's really not because the issue with that is that the teachers who are teaching it can't embody it. So they're not going to actually be able to teach anything mm -hmm. to the kids. Um, but that's another topic. But anyway, the reason why I brought this up is because I feel like we, you know, we come into adulthood with zero training and knowledge on what our emotions are, how to process them, how to deal with them. And not only that, but we're actually taught to not deal with them. Right. We're taught that they are uncomfortable, inconvenient, and that we shouldn't feel them. Like how many times has, has you, have you heard someone say, Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, you need to cry. <laughs> so again, like the, it's the inversion, the opposite, right? So that is, I think, like kind of a foundational issue with so many people with most people is that no one has any proper training or understanding of like what emotions are and why it's important to feel them. So people like have to disconnect from their bodies because they're suppressing so many emotions that is just so uncomfortable to actually be in your body. Right. And like you were mm -hmm. saying, people don't feel comfortable. They, their soul can't fully drop in because there's so much stuck energy, so much trauma, so much being held there that it's just not a comfortable place to be. So why I use breath work with every single one of my clients is because it forces you to be in your body, feel what you're feeling, confront yourself and move through the energy and move the energy out of the body. That's why I always say you get so much momentum when you do breath work. So I think it's really one of, for me anyway, the key components um, to help people get results quickly and to give them a bunch of momentum to move forward because it's literally forcing you to be in the body, be in the present moment, feel what you're feeling. And then not only that, you're moving energy. So the energy has a chance to, to break up and dissipate instead of like just being stuck and held there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was going <clears> to, <throat> I was going to bring in breath work too. Cause I mean, that's the obvious kind of pattern interrupt, right? Yes. You know, between the, when the nervous system goes into a hyper stress response and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's like the brain, when it goes into that fight or flight space, 
automatically the brain doesn't have the ability to think 15 seconds beyond that moment. So it's like time collapses and all of a sudden this is, this is like a forever thing. Yeah. And no matter how many times we've gone through it, it, it all just kind of collapses on, on itself. And then we, you know, depending on where we're at in our level of development, how well we've learned to handle our emotional responses, it can get really, really sticky. And we can then tend to act out in ways that beyond 15 seconds in that moment, we often regret and can have life altering effects on our relationships, our health, we can do something really, you know, really stupid or hurt ourselves, hurt another person. I mean, we've all been through this in various, various forms, I'm sure. And so that's why having a pattern interrupt is so critical. And it really comes down to breathing. So I'd love to I'd love to go just a little bit deeper into that in, in terms of like, how do you how do you work with people in the breath work area? Because there's there's so many different modalities for breath work and, and it could get something so simple can actually become very complicated um, <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's kind of evolved for me over time. Like I mentioned, I've been training in breathwork and studying it and practicing it since I was 19. So like Mm. 21 years at this point. So it's really evolved for me. Um, I used to actually do, you know, back when I did like in-person stuff, I would do actual like one-to-one in-person breathwork sessions where um, they would do the breath and I would guide them and all of that. And the breath work that I use is called conscious connected breathing, which is a very simple, just in and out, uh, through the mouth. And you're just, it's a circular breath. So there's no space between the inhale and the exhale. Mm -hmm. It's really, um, really gentle. Um, but it really gets the job done. So I used to do it like with people in person and in groups, but then how I do it now and how it's evolved is I actually create, uh, audio recordings for people where I'm basically Mm -hmm. in the Akashic records channeling and guiding them. Um, and I, and I make them for different topics, right? So I mentioned my program, the metamorphosis, I literally have a breathwork session for moving through your birth trauma, moving through your trauma with your mother, moving through your trauma with your father, Mm. um, forgiveness, releasing guilt and shame, shadow work. So I make them for all of these different purposes to help you specifically move through these different energies. And then I also like for the clients that I work with one-on-one, I'll make them personalized breathwork sessions that are channeled in their Akashic records. So I'm really kind of marrying these two things where I'm guiding you to do the breathwork, but I'm also saying these, you know, it's also, I feel like a frequency Mm. upgrade too. Like it's not Mm. even necessarily about what I'm saying, but the frequency that's channeling through me that is kind of coded and meant to shift their energy and shift their frequency to align them more with their highest timeline. So it's like whatever. And, and it's also guided like energy work in there as well. It's just kind of like my own Mm -hmm. thing that just started Mm -hmm. happening. Um, so that's kind of how I use it now and people get really great results with it. And then the other thing I'll do too, is like, I'll just have people listen to it also, even if they don't do the breath work, just listening to it will be like this calibration, like energetic calibration for them. So it kind of works in multiple ways, but now that's what I do with people is I have them do it on their own. And then when we come back together, either if it's in the group or we're working one-on-one, then we talk about like what came up and what the shifts were. Okay. Got it. That's, that's really amazing. I think this would be a good opportunity to go into the topic of the Akashic records um, I, I've studied this over, you know, on and off just over the last 10 years, just as part of my side studies into more of the paranormal research and, and you know, all the all that kind of alternative niche stuff that I've been really deep into for years. And so this comes up quite a bit. I did an Akashic record reading in 2015, I think. And it was really powerful. It was um, very resonant, very insightful a lot of past life stuff, not direct memories of my own, but just kind of resonance of things that I I knew had to be true because the other person wouldn't have known that specificity, like archetypally. And I knew that that was, 
if that was coming through, then that was closer to the truth than it would, then, you know, then it would definitely was not some kind of guess. Like it was definitely very right. specific. And, um, so I had that direct experience. I was always interested in, in having more done at some point whenever it, it came through. So I'm curious, like, how did you get into it? And then, um, let's give people like, a you know, a little bit of a deep dive into that topic because most people have either heard of it or have no idea what that is. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, you know, when I started my business, which was in January of 2020, um, so I, I was a, still a school counselor at the time, but I knew, you know, I had known for a long time that I had gifts and I wasn't using them as a school counselor. So I just got to the point that I was like, okay, I really need to do this. Mm -hmm. So when I started my business, I thought I was just going to be doing breath work with people. And it just quickly evolved into all of these other things. And I started hearing about the Akashic records and I was like, oh yeah, I think I'm supposed to do that. And I did like this very like short training. It was like a four week training. And the first day of the training, um, I went into my Akashic records and I just had this like crazy experience of like, I just was having this overwhelming feeling of unconditional love and I was mm -hmm. crying. Mm -hmm. And then I had this very acute awareness that like, I've always been doing this. Like, this is always what I've been doing. And then mm -hmm. I started to have all these awarenesses about like different times in my life where, you know, I, now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's what was happening. Like, I always tell this example because I think it's really funny. When I was a school counselor, um, I would be able to talk to the parent of the student and tell the parent like all of the information they needed to know about their child in order to like help them. But I never would have spoken to the child. Like I didn't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. And I would always think at the time, because I didn't know where I was getting that information. I didn't know why I knew it. And I would like kind of beat myself up because I would be like, am I making that up? Like, did I just make that up? Like, that was really like, I can't believe I just did that. Like that, like kind of beating myself up because I didn't know how I knew. Mm -hmm. But there was a part of me that knew that I was right, you know, but I just didn't know how I knew it didn't make sense to me. And there's but things like that have, that have happened over the course of my life where I just knew, I just always know information about people or situations, or I can just always know, like if somebody's lying or if what I'm seeing is not the truth, you know? Um, so I always had this ability, but then when I like really learned that I was reading the Akashic records, then it just kind of took off and I just started incorporating it into everything I do. So I'll just tell you a little bit about like what it is so people can fully understand. So I like to describe the records as um, a frequency of information. Mm -hmm. So it's basically everything that has ever occurred in the universe, everything that will ever occur in the universe that's imprinted in, and living at this certain frequency. So when I am uh, tuning into this frequency, it's basically like I'm like tuning into this radio station, I like to describe it as, mm -hmm. and I'm just getting the information, right? It's kind of like a living library of information. So for example, if I'm, read if I'm reading your records, I will be tuning into the evolution of your soul. So I would be looking at like where you've been, where you're where you are and what you're wanting to step into next. And then for me, um, I think because of the nature of my work and like how I operate is I'm always going to be able to see exactly what is blocking you mm. from mm. stepping into that next level of your evolution. And then I will be able to like channel energy work to clear that for you so that you can step into your next level. Um, so that's basically like how I use the records. And, um, you know, people always ask the question, well, can anybody read the records? Like, yes, anybody can read the records a hundred percent. I think obviously there's some people that just are more, you know, drawn to it or can naturally do it, but anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really amazing tool because the great thing about the records is they are living at a very high frequency and they are living at a frequency of truth. So you will always get the truth when you go into the record. So it's a great place to vet information. 
Um, especially nowadays when there's so much crazy information and you sometimes don't know Mm -hmm. what's true or what's not, the records will always give you the truth. So, um, it's a really great tool. Um, but I, you know, for me in the context of my work, I really use it for as a healing modality, you know? So a lot of what I do for people is I channel energy work through the records. That's going to help them clear whatever energetic block like I said, is standing in the way, um, between where they are now and what their soul is wanting to step into from a more evolutionary perspective. Um, I do get some information about past lives. Not a lot. I'm not, I just, that's not really like something that I dive into. I will sometimes, especially if it's pertinent to that situation, I find that I don't like to harp on past lives too much, unless it's very pertinent to the specific situation that we're in now for that person to have an opening. Cause I find that sometimes people can get wrapped up in the story of what happened and kind Mm -hmm. of attached to it and it keeps them stuck. So I don't focus on that too much. Um, I will see ancestral patterning though. And then the other thing I'm able to see for people that I'm opening up to more and more and more is like not only your spirit guides, but also like your galactic lineage, your galactic guides and like any like lifetimes or experiences you've had in other dimensions, other galaxies that might be pertinent for you to know at this time for your evolution. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is this is all really amazing. <clears throat> and just prefacing for the listener, and we have a spectrum of people that listen to this. So everything that she's saying, I've actually experienced in some form or fashion in different avenues of life. I've done a lot of plant medicine ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies, many other initiatory and recreational um, explorations, let's call it. And I've had a lot of different encounters and experiences with everything that she's saying in in some form or fashion. And I've also been around a lot of psychics. I've been around a lot of channelers, um, a lot of intuitives, a lot of people that have performed things in front of me that were undeniable and have showed me a much broader more multidimensional nature of this reality and also studying and decoding this reality and what this thing really is has been a very fascinating um, exploration for me over the years. Um, So I just want to say that for everyone listening that may be kind of like trailing off or feeling like it's a little woo woo. It's actually (laughs) it's it's this is a really she's explaining in a really grounded, really great way. And I just wanted to double confirm that like this is actually real. And so with that said, like, okay, the Akashic records, like what, what is the Akashic records anyways? Is just some, is it just some like library repository somewhere out there in the solar system or the, the cosmos or something like what, what is it if we were to kind of like nail it down a little bit? Okay. Good question. For, before I answer that, I just want to add to like your point of, I just want to tell people too, that like, a lot of times I receive information and downloads from the records or from my guides. And I think it's crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this information Uh or I'll, I'll get this download that I'm supposed to like do this activation for people. I'm supposed to like activate this thing within them or that thing. And it, and I'm just like, So I just want to like kind of affirm what you're saying, because even for me, who like I'm always receiving this information, I sometimes am like, what is this real? Like, because I think it it does kind of blow your mind. And there is so much out there that we're not like aware of in our day to day. And, you know, that's not in our physical reality. And even though I'm hearing it and I'm, and I'm seeing the results that my clients are getting from it too. And I'm still kind of like, oh my God, this is Mm -hmm. like, sometimes I don't even know how to like explain it or have context for it. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and then, okay. So as far as the records are concerned, like it's not something that's physical, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not in this dimension of reality, like this 3d reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's almost like an energy, right? So it's like 
all of the things that have ever occurred in the universe are kind of like imprinted um, on an energetic level um, in this certain dimensional frequency, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let's call mm-hmm. it. I don't like know how radio, else to describe like you're it. Tuning into a radio station. Exactly. And that's exactly how I see it. So for me, I think for whatever reason, like the way that I operate is I just am always kind of tuned into that radio Mm -hmm. station, right? It's something that comes naturally to me. So what happens is like, for example, if I was reading your records and you asked me a specific question about something, what would happen for me is I would probably like, I would either start to feel a certain energy and based on what I'm feeling in my body and the emotions I'm feeling, I would kind of be able to translate that for you into words so that you could understand what I was seeing. Or sometimes I'll see actual like words, like I'll be able to see like almost like, you know, how like you see big lit up words, like mm-hmm. a, like mm-hmm. a Broadway side, you know, like that kind of words. Mm-hmm. I'll see like a big word and I'll know like, this is really important for them to know. And I'll usually tell you the word and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense, you know, or sometimes I'll see visuals, like I'll see like some kind of visual representation of what's going on. And sometimes it's not even like I'm able to describe it. So I've had a lot of experiences where I'll actually draw it for people and then I'll show it to them. And it's something within them. It will resonate with them very deeply and they'll be like, oh my God. And it'll like shift something like when I show them the picture. Um, And it's always something where I'm like, I don't know if this really makes sense. Like, I'm just going to show this to you. Like, Mm -hmm, I don't know, mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And, um, and then it's always something that, that shifts something in them. So I'm receiving information in multiple ways. Um, And it also kind of depends on the person too, whether I'm going to receive more information as far as feelings. Like, for example, if I am tuning into like what's blocking you, right? If I'm tuning into like a trauma or something that happened or an ancestral trauma, sometimes I'll actually feel the trauma. Like I'll feel the emotional Mm -hmm. weight Mm -hmm. and I'll get emotional and I'll start crying or I Mm -hmm. will feel, I'll start to feel really hot and like, I'll start sweating a lot, you know? So it's kind of like a multi dimensional experience as far Mm -hmm. as like how I'm getting and receiving the information. This is, um, yeah, I mean, this is really um, interesting and and really spot on, just kind of confirming so many of my own lived experiences. What was instantly coming to my mind, it's more of a curiosity piece in terms of like what you're experiencing those situations. Um, A weekend or two ago, I was in Palm Springs with my partner and, you know, we, we have a very like multidimensional connection and like we, 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 you know, we're able to travel a lot of different like layers together in the human experience. And there was one point where a lot of trauma was unloading from her, her body and I was just holding her through it. And then after that experience, we're just sitting down and she's just sharing about a prior experience, you know, in a past relationship and, and, and tears were coming down my eyes and but it wasn't as if I was I didn't have the emotional experience but I could feel her experience and I realized it was like oh wow I I think I'm actually transmuting I think my heart's actually transmuting this with you Mm -hmm. so there was like I wasn't detached I was fully connected to her but I was feeling like kind of the quickening of her experience but with no story and no right. emotional imprint. And um, now, I mean, that's a profound thing to experience in of itself, um, which I'm grateful to yeah. have unlocked that connection. Um, but I'm curious, if is it a similar kind of thing for you? Yes, it's similar. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's very similar. I mean, I feel like what you're describing, because you are so like profoundly and deeply connected with yes. her, I yeah. feel like it was a little bit of a different experience it's a much where in, it's an intimate connection. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same idea where, um, I'm kind of tuning in and I have had those experiences too, where when I'm 
taking somebody through a healing, often if it's somebody that I've been working with for a while where we tap into something and we, Mm. and I just can feel it as much as they can. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not like thinking that that's mine or attaching to it so I can feel it, but I'm not like upset or, you know what I mean? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. getting attached Mm -hmm. to the story of the feeling. So yeah, I think it is really similar in that way. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Cause you know, um, as I don't really like the word healer, although it's, I'm neutral about it. Um, healers, transmuters, you know, transformers, whatever you want to call it, what, what all of us do in our own way in the healing world, the transformational world, there is that component, right? So there's like, there's a lot of talk about creating boundaries, like energetic boundaries. And then there's also these things that open up and access these access points that open up within us, which is like these key codes that allows us to go deeper with people. And um, so I'm curious what your yeah, what's your perspective on that? Like the 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 balance between creating boundaries or if you've embodied it enough, do you even need to create boundaries? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do think that once you get to a point of embodiment, you don't have to consciously create the boundaries anymore because you're just living it. Mm -hmm. But in order to get to that point, you just have to be so skillful in doing your own inner work and kind of mastering your own energy. Because like in the process of doing the deeper inner work and really unraveling all of the programming, all of the trauma for yourself, then you just naturally get to a place where you're mastering your own energy and you know exactly how to work with your own energy. So it's not as necessary for you to create these energetic boundaries at all times, right? Because you're just naturally holding an energetic space Mm -hmm. that you're not going to take on other people's energy. But um, definitely like in the beginning or when you're still kind of working these things out, it's definitely important to not only create energetic boundaries, but also, you know, like I always tell people after you work with somebody like cutting cords and just disconnecting from their energy is really important. And I still do that, especially like when I have um, a bigger group that I'm leading or a lot of new people coming into my field. Mm -hmm. um, I will always like cut cords, disconnect from their energy, but you're right. I think as you just continue to hold a different kind of energetic space for yourself where it's like, my guys always tell me, um, to be in full control of the vehicle, right? So you're like fully filling up your field with your consciousness. There's no like holes or, or dark spots or places that you're not conscious of. Like when you get to that point where you're really able to hold that energetic space, I don't think, I think the boundaries just naturally happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I'm thinking about like in shamanism, particularly the ayahuascaros who are facilitating the ayahuasca experience, they refer to them as like an empty bone. So you need to be like empty. And that's like another level of being neutral, where you're facilitating the experience, you're guiding it, you're connected to it. So you're not impersonal completely, but you're not, you're not open to the degree that you're, you're, you're taking on other people's energy or they're taking on your energy. Like you have unresolved things inside of you that are now feeding into somebody else's experience. And that, you know, this is such a, such a big thing. And I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on this, particularly within like the spiritual community and the healing and the pseudo healer community. And like, and there's so many different, like, you know, kind of light and dark aspects of this, which I just feel like mentioning because a lot of people listening to this have either experienced that and maybe they've been traumatized from some sexual teacher, some yoga teacher, some some so-called healer, um, some energy worker, or they just simply just were just sold a snake oil and, and just didn't have an experience, but paid a bunch of money for it or whatever the case is. Um, so I just feel kind of intuitively guy just to preface that as people are listening to this. And then a lot of people are going to be listening to this really, they're either in the the position of becoming this or, or doing, you know, getting inspired by this conversation and listening to someone like you, who's, who's equally grounded in the 3d world. And also who's very tapped into 
the your your psychic capabilities and, and talking about the akashic records in relationship to trauma and breath work and these like more very practical healing modalities and merging those two worlds together um yeah and i think there's probably more i could say about that but that's that's just like the basic oh th this is the thing i wanted to just tag on to that um we talk a lot about addiction, right? I wrote a book on addiction. I do a dopamine reset course. The The podcast is rebranded under breaking addictions. And so when I look at addiction, I look at it from multiple perspectives. There's the there's obviously the chemical codependency side of it. That's one layer, then a layer deeper. There's the emotional, psychological trauma aspect of it. But then there's a spiritual perspective on it which is really where you get to like the root of what the energetic of an addiction really is. It's never about the thing itself. It's the, the cord or the thing that's connected to it, the psychic link that's connected to it. And, and where, where I'm going with this is what you were talking about, where if somebody is whole healed and complete and integrated within them themselves, then they're essentially an addiction-free person and they can do things that maybe other people would be addicted to, but it doesn't have a control on them. But to the degree that we're not whole healed and complete within ourselves, our energy field has these little cracks, these holes, these leaks, these dark spots, if you will. These are like trauma-based access points for energies we'll call it to mm -hmm. seep in through and create these attachments um and i'm just curious what your perspective on that is yeah okay so though there's a few things that are coming to mind because i i do have clients that are either struggling with addiction or recovering from addiction um and what i find too is even if you're recovering from addiction if we haven't cleared why you actually are having the addiction, right? Like what you said, like the spiritual perspective or what is at the core of underneath of it, then you're either just going to replace it with something else, or you're going to be like white knuckling it until it mm -hmm. like comes back. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am always like looking at, like, it's like, you can tell me about your addiction, but like, I don't need to hear about that. I just want to get underneath of like, what is the trauma? Right. Mm. Um, and I also a hundred percent agree with you about, you know, you can do like, I, I go back to this all the time because when I was, you know, probably in college, yeah, in college, there was a lot of people that I knew that got addicted to things, right. Mostly like pills or whatever. And, um, and, you know, I, like, as I told you, I was very interested in expanding the mind and trying all different things. And I tried like so many different drugs and I never really got addicted to anything. I mean, there's certain things I preferred over others and might want to do more than others, but I never got addicted to anything. And I would always kind of wonder, like, why is there people that are getting so addicted and why some people don't and why I never experienced that? And not to say I'm not addicted to anything. I know we already talked about the dopamine reset. Like, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I didn't have those, I guess, those things yeah. and, and that the addiction could hook into. So I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I think the addiction is really just like a symptom of something greater. And like, I love the way you describe like kind of having those like holes or the things for the addiction to hook into. Cause it's like those places where you're not fully conscious, right. Where there's mm -hmm. some kind of, um, thing that you're not looking at some kind of shadow or some place that you are disconnecting from yourself because of a trauma or something that you don't want to look at or face or feel. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think that's kind of how it works. And then for me, I'm always looking at, um, well, what is this a reflection of, right? And it's mm, usually, mm, again, mm, going to come back to your relationship with your parents, not getting the love that you needed, mm, not getting the emotional support that you needed, um, being neglected, right? In whatever way, it doesn't have to be like physically neglected, but emotionally neglected. And then again, the other thing I always say with trauma is like, everybody experiences it differently. Right. So, you know, I would always have, when I was a school counselor, there'd be like two kids 
in the same home, experience, their brother and sister experiencing the same exact thing. One is terribly traumatized and the other one is like seemingly okay, right? Because they're different kids. They're going to experience and process and react to things completely differently. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you are extremely sensitive, you're extremely tuned in and you're extremely gifted um, psychically or emotionally as a young child, you're going to have very specific emotional needs. And if your parents can't provide those for you, which most likely they wouldn't have been able to, um, because our parents can't give us what they don't have. And also if they are traumatized, um, you are not going to get what you need from your parents. And this is what I see, um, with so many people is the addiction being a result of that void that they felt, um, growing up where they needed, they severely needed something that they weren't getting, but they didn't really know that like as a child, you don't know what it is mm-hmm. that you're not getting. Cause you don't know that right. you right. don't know, like you can feel that something doesn't feel good. You can feel that there's a void or a reason why you're sad, but you don't know what it is. You don't know, like you wouldn't be able to say as a kid, like my mother isn't giving me the emotional support that I need. Like, that's just not something you would know to say. So you, so it ends up being internalized as this void of something that is missing, but also then it gets internalized as well. If I'm not getting this, there must be something wrong with me. Mm. So I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm not mm-hmm. worthy with, which then internalizes as shame. And I think that like really underneath most addiction is that feeling of shame. 100%. I think we even <clears throat> touched that broad, that, that brushstroke in our interview a little bit, like, yeah, that that's what I've discovered in, in David Hawking's scale of consciousness, the lowest frequency at 20 is shame. And then above that, I think is guilt. And then you have anger. And then it kind of eventually you get to like 200, then you're like starting to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, that's a that's a that's a podcast in of itself. And, and I'm glad yeah. you brought that in, because <laughs> I, I've, I've had to do significant work around that in, in work that like, was not obvious to me. I grew up in the personal development industry. I I was raised as a martial artist and an athlete. So I had a certain mentality and a certain like, like a certain energy about me that would not indicate that I had shame. Um, It wasn't until my later years that that started to get revealed and through a lot of bad choices and poor judgment and just the things that happen in life. Um, but that's a that's a deep one. And and I've discovered the same thing, like at the root cause emotionally of all addiction is shame. And the more you do the thing, the more shame you feel and the more aware of the thing you become and the more you do it, the more shame you feel and the more guilt yeah. you feel. <laughs> and then it becomes this very vicious cycle. And it's like just because you become conscious of something does not mean that you are out of the forest. Uh, you could yeah. still be bumping your head against a tree that you can see clearly in front of you. Totally. And it's not always around a substance either. Like I yeah. see people getting addicted to, you know, relationships or oh, yeah. just ways of being right. So like, for example, like you can know, I was just talking about this with a friend earlier, like you can know intellectually what the problem is, what the pattern is that you're playing out and how it needs to be done differently. Yet you're addicted to doing it the same way over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) Yeah. That's how insidious it is. Yeah. And and that's why I really appreciate people like you that bring in this multi-layered approach, particularly around real legitimate energy work, because it is all energy And we have these blocks, disconnects and barriers within us that we don't really know about. And most of it's adopted. Most of it we adopted unconsciously in our formative years. And Mm -hmm. so it's not actually of any fault of our own. It's only fault is that we repeat these patterns over and over. Um, But, you know, it's like so. So I guess what I'm saying is, is having a multi tiered approach to your human optimization journey, your healing journey, your your personal development journey, your your pursuit to optimize yourself as a whole human being, you know, you have to have a nutrition protocol, you have to have some kind of some kind of understanding of supplementation as it pertains to you. Um, You have to have an exercise movement or fitness routine. That's critical. These are all things somatic release processes like sleep, 
practices, waking practices. These are all just things the physical body needs. But then, you know, but then you need to have other aspects like like energy work practices, breath work practices. Um, and then if somebody doesn't talk to somebody like you, because these are, these are, these are, you know, these are a little bit, these are like level two, three, and four beyond just the physical body. Mm -hmm. Then if somebody doesn't have a guide or mentor, then, you know, it's just kind of a crapshoot. It's like, yeah, on YouTube and geez, like you're just getting, you're just, um, exposing yourself to, to, I've seen, I'm not, I can't go into it, but it's just coming to my mind, just like the most ridiculous charlatan spirituality <laughs> yeah goobity gop i've ever yeah. seen coming out of hollywood literally oh and, yeah that's and, a whole nother podcast topic and totally and some <laughs> and some of these people proposing ideas like spirit hacking um mm-hmm. are like are like very successful on all the talk radio shows and to me are so clearly charlatans and this is this is what people get exposed to so yeah, it's a big problem, you know, and it's and and I really I take offense to it, honestly. Um, I'm getting that worked up are, about it. Seriously, that there are charlatans who infiltrate, um, you know, the spiritual community and people who are newer to this work and haven't really done the the inner work to be able to discern and feel that. Um, that, you know, can get wrapped up in that and, and it can be detrimental and it's really, yeah, I get worked up about it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that just, I just wanted to be said and named. Um, Yeah, definitely. And then also the other thing I was going to add on to that is like, you know, I will get asked all the time, like if I'm like contributing to an article or on a podcast or whatever, like, oh, well, what can people do today to like, to, to start to like uncover their shadows. I'm like, this is not something that you just like do <laughs> for five minutes, right? right? Like this is a journey. This is something that you need to be willing to invest your time, money, and energy into really like exploring and dedicating yourself to going on this journey. Like this is not something that you like wake up and do for five minutes. Like this is a lifestyle. This is like a choice of mm-hmm. how you're going to live your life and, um, a willingness and a dedication to your awakening process. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to be encouraging people to open up Pandora's box without guided, without guidance. I know. I always say that I'm like, you can't do that on your own. And like, you know, I, and I feel like sometimes that's like, sounds kind of like disempowering or something, but I'm like, that's the truth. Like you cannot like, while the journey is your own healing, right. And you're fully hundred percent responsible for that. If you don't have support and guidance to move through this deeper stuff, like you're really not going to get very far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and, and that's the humility of it all too. Right. Because all that, and that's a big thing. The big problem too, is that in the Western world, people are not humble. Mm-hmm. And there's there that's a big problem because this path requires humility. And if you aren't humble and you continue the path, you will be humbled. And I mean, thank thank God, because sorry, my thing just oh, there we go. Um, thank goodness, because humility really is the ultimate liberation, but it is a process and it is not easy. And you may think you're humble but there might be a little bit of a spiritual ego or subtle entitlement. And we all have it for sure. Mm -hmm. But it it, like healing is humbling. And I think just to close this out, um, I I really feel like that is the journey in of itself. Like how much can we humble ourselves to, to the idea that maybe our beliefs and our stories and our, our self identities are not actually truer than not the whole truth. And how much can I sacrifice or leave myself on the altar of truth and see what stands the test of time? Totally. And it's just like being willing to be open to mm-hmm. what you don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being I- open to like taking that in and realizing that like what you thought reality was, what you thought was true about yourself might not be what you thought it was. Right. Yeah. Life will do the rest. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, this was been this has been so amazing. Um, really amazing conversation, and you're so well articulated in in everything that you shared, and um, so much to dive into. So, for everyone listening, how do they find out more about you and how to work with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, um, Elise underscore breathes. And then, um, my website, my website is elisebreathes.com. And then also I have my podcast, which Ronnie is going to be on in the next few weeks, um, called reclaiming consciousness. Um, so you can definitely check me out there as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Elise for being Yeah. Here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Breaking Addictions podcast, and we will see you on the next episode.